Welcome to the new era by Web3 Connect. We're helping you break barriers and build brands in Web3, the next generation of internet. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of The New Era by Web3 Connect. This podcast is intended to help our listeners break barriers and build brands in the Web3 space through both candid conversation on relevant Web3 topics, as well as insight into career opportunities from just casual interviews with people who are currently working in the space. So you might be thinking, what the hell is Web3? Before we jump in, I'll give you a little rundown. Web 1 came out in the 90s, right? The dot-com era. The websites were largely read-only. It did make information easier to access, but still pretty legacy, difficult to navigate, and just not the most optimal. Web 2 came out in the early 2000s and is currently at its peak. It has made it easier to read, write, and create, but a select few companies own everything. So Facebook owns your data, Spotify owns the rights to your music, you're pretty much forced to interact with these intermediaries to do anything online and they end up making most of the profits. Now cut to Web3. Blockchain, crypto, NFTs. Web3 is taking the power away from governments and large companies and distributing it back to the people through decentralization. Information is not stored on private servers. It's on a public blockchain. This removes the need for middlemen. So in Web3, companies can no longer use your content and data to profit. You're the owner of your content and you're rewarded for your participation. There's not as much hierarchy in Web3. Everybody has different skills that complement each other. And it's a space that promotes collaboration on a huge, globally wide scale. So that is a quick summary of Web3, and we do plan to delve a bit deeper into that concept as well as many other relevant topics across episodes. But today we have Soul Searcher here for our very first interview. He's a community manager in the Web3 space. If you'd like to skip over the introductions of myself and my co-host, feel free to hop over to minute 17 and 20 seconds. You will not be offended. Before we actually get into our interview, we did just want to introduce ourselves. So I am Aurora founder of Web3 Connect. And in real life, you know, what I kind of usually up to, I I do work full-time in consulting as a third-party federal contractor. So I've been doing that for about five years. And ever since I was younger, I've known that I've wanted to build something. And, you know, just thinking back to being a kid, I'd create my own jewelry and try to sell that to people, right? Or I'd have like a lemonade stand and trying to make money on that. I even took up drawing. I thought I was going to be a tattoo artist at one point. Just all of these different entrepreneurial ventures that I've just kind of had in my spirit ever since being very young. So I've always known I wanted to build something, but I just didn't know what it was yet. And when I found Web3 and I found NFTs, the idea of what I wanted to build came very soon after that. But I guess I'll I'll start from the beginning um, and just how I got into this space. So at some point last year, I want to say maybe I was scrolling on TikTok and somehow I found myself on crypto and NFT TikTok. I'm not sure how I got there, (laughs) but I'm glad I did because I went down a rabbit hole from there. Um, I just started doing research on what is an NFT? You know, how can I get my hands on one? You know, what are the steps? Like, where do I start essentially? Because I didn't know anything about it. So 
I started by creating my crypto wallet as anybody would. And I actually started on Ethereum, not Solana, because that was the only thing I was really seeing when first entering the space. Everybody was talking about MetaMask, Ethereum, et cetera. Um, I've since moved away from that for obvious reasons of transaction fees and whatnot. But I attempted to create my crypto wallet. And for some reason, it took forever for me to figure it out. And that's not easy for me to admit because it's a very simple concept creating your crypto wallet. I think in retrospect, it was probably because I was using a super old computer that I've since replaced. So it was just giving me some technical issues. Then I tried to use my iPad, but obviously not very compatible on mobile. So I think that's what took me so long, but ultimately I figured it out, right? And after spending a couple hours figuring it out, I realized, hey, this was really difficult for no reason. And I can't be the only one who's kind of interested in, in Web3 NFTs crypto, but feels like I don't know where to start. And it's too confusing. And you know, there's no solid, reliable resources out there that just synthesizes it for you in short form to help onboard new people to the space. And after that revelation, I started creating educational content about Web3 on TikTok. And I'm not an expert, right? I mean, I think we're all very new to this space. But my TikTok isn't me claiming to be a crypto expert. It's me saying, you know, we're all new to this. I'm new to this. But I wanted to share what I was learning with other people who were also interested in learning because I was doing all this research on stuff and figuring out how to do things on my own. And I thought, why not, you know, synthesize this and share it with other people so that they don't have to spend the time and effort looking this stuff up themselves. So that's kind of how I started really getting integrated into the space. I was super focused on my TikTok platform for a couple of months and somebody had reached out to me on Twitter and his name was Jenner. Soul. Um, and he said, Hey, saw you on TikTok, you know, DM me. I have some initiative going on. I think you'd be a really great addition. Um, and I was like, Okay, very, very random. And that was like maybe just a few days after my very first uh, viral video happened. But, anyways, General found me and recruited me into what was called the Soul Army. I had no idea what it was. And at the time, it was just a community of people who were exuding good vibes, who, you know, some were very new, novice to the space. Some were experts and, and had more experience and had been in the crypto space and NFT space for a while. But the commonality was the community and the good vibes that surrounded it. And there really wasn't much there quite yet. It was just really a discord where people were communicating and nobody knew what was coming. It was very, very new. And the general was building on the back end very diligently. I joined their podcast team for the Soul Army. I joined their council and the team continued to grow. The general started, you know, bringing on other leadership figures and they're just doing some insane stuff over there. I won't get too much into it. You guys just have to go check them out. So that's kind of how I got even more integrated into the space. And soon after that, I was thinking about the whole concept of starting a business. Cause like I said, I've always wanted to start something and the NFT space sort of presented an opportunity. The space is so early. It's so young that so much is not here yet that could be built. Like entire industries in web two are being replicated in web three. And so I saw that as an opportunity to build my own thing and figure out, okay, what do I care about? What impact do I want to leave on this ecosystem? And one day it occurred to me that I'm sure it's a gap that many of you have seen as well, which is there are all these people in the NFT space with really great ideas for projects like creators, and 
they just don't have the manpower or the skills to execute their vision, right? They might have a certain subset of skills, but they don't know how to code or they're not an artist or they need somebody with more social media management background, whatever it is, like these NFT projects are startups and that's how I refer to them because that's, in my opinion, how they operate. And you need a team to found a startup. So these people would have great ideas and either their idea would fade because they don't have anybody to help them execute it or somebody else, like another team who already has devs, who already has all those people with existing connections from some of the established DAOs, they might get to the idea before that person and run with it because they have the resources. And I wanted to fill that gap because in Web2, that gap is filled, right? There's LinkedIn, there's Fiverr, Upwork, other freelancing platforms that connect people for the purpose of networking and hiring each other for your skills to achieve a common goal. And it didn't seem like there was a place to do that yet in Web3. So kind of tying back to the idea of entire industries being duplicated in Web3. So I brought this very basic Web2 concept into a novel space. And that is where Web3 Connect was born. I want to say it honestly was a little over a month ago by the time we're recording this that we created our Discord. General Soul was a trusted advisor at the very beginning stages of this project, gave incredible um, guidance and insight into just our strategy. And so approaching it very similarly to Soul Army and creating a free to use Discord for people to start connecting and networking and advertising and hiring each other. And as you know, we're building that community through our free to use Discord, we're working on the back end to build out our website because we recognize the importance of having a finished product before you um, you know, have your mint date and your collection drops. So that is what we've kind of been working on in the back end. We've had a lot of twists and turns along the way, and we're just building and building. Our team is getting bigger. We've gotten some partnerships recently. Our community is growing, and it's really, really awesome to see what my vision was a month and a half ago, start to actually materialize and start to actually make an impact on people in the community. Like we're connecting people every day to new job opportunities or giving freelancers a platform to advertise themselves. And that is what really matters to me is being able to see that direct impact of something that our team is building on the community. It's just it's just been awesome. And I can't wait to see where we go from there. But that's that's a little bit about my background and my story and how I got into Web3 and why I'm still here is obviously the community so cliche, I know, but so very true. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I'll, I guess I'll pass it off to you, Noland. All right. So my name is, well, I guess I go by No Land Beyond. Um, most people just call me No Land. So I'm currently a full-time student at a university on the East Coast of the U.S., and basically, like one day last semester, I just decided I'm gonna flip some NFTs and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a lot of money doing it. I saw this one guy in a YouTube video do it, and he made like forty grand or something ridiculous just trade sniping on ETH. So I tried to get into ETH and I actually bought a little bit of Ohm. I don't know if you know what that was, but it was basically like a Ponzi uh, token, essentially. So I bought it at like two hundred. I saw some people making unbelievable gains with the APY. And right now that balance is sitting at like 20 bucks. And then I bought the top of Tower like very early into my trading journey at like three soul, sold it for 2.2, walked away from the space entirely for maybe three months. And then I think mid-December of 2021, 
I decided I'm going to get back into NFTs. I decided I'm just going to, if nothing better to do during my break, let me just see if I can make a quick buck doing this. And I tried it. It was hard. I got most of my alpha, to be honest, from YouTube. And uh, it was mainly just YouTube. And then I kind of got into Twitter a little bit more, still didn't really use it. And then I started to pick up on, okay, information does not move on YouTube. It is so slow. It is presented to you with so many filters. I mean, so many reasons that these larger content creators could want to shill a certain bag that's not necessarily a value added, but more so just to dump their bag on you later on. And of course, that's the case with a lot of other influencers. But as I kind of got more into the space, I started joining these different discords, kind of see what was going on and kind of riding the wave of these totally garbage mints. So I remember one was a Solana bets, like casino mint. And I remember riding the communal wave of the D-list train and kind of reading that and getting that little little surge of hopium in my heart. I was like, okay, maybe I'll make it. Maybe maybe this is the project. Anybody who was worth their salt wasn't even looking at that project. It wasn't on their radar. And yet I was in a Discord surrounded by a couple hundred, if not thousands of people just spamming in chat, D-list, D-list, D-list. Like, I wanted a group that knew a little bit more, that Hopefully I'd get better alpha from and potentially make better trades. I mean, just combining research and making friends and building real relationships in the space was what it ended up evolving into as I kind of put myself out there and started asking people. I literally just DM'd a couple people cold on Twitter saying, hey, I don't have a $30,000, $50,000 profile picture, but I also want alpha. I also want friends and a chance to build a community. And I didn't know where to start. So I DM'd this guy soft money on Twitter about where I could go to find these sort of groups. And he pointed me to the Soul Army. So then I DM'd General Soul and he DM'd me back an invite and he said, thrilled to have you. I was so stoked to be in that Discord. And then I saw the culture that he was building around the good vibes. And let me be clear, there was zero monetary incentive to be in the army, aside from the fact that they did preach smart hands and kind of like a couple of decisions that would have embodied that smart hands mentality of what it means to be a profitable trader until you can get liquidity up and and now as the meta starts to evolve buy more quality projects and kind of as i immersed myself more into that discord i started to appreciate just how valuable and important relationships and community are even in the digital web3 space because my experience prior to the army was my personal friend group through discord and then these just random totally random discords where i would join a single one ask someone if it's worth buying in of course you would get a yes and then they would just on you once the floor price went up. So a bit unfortunate of a start, but it 100% motivated me to try to step up my game and to try to kind of find the winning projects, find the projects where they're value added. And then kind of stepping up from that within the army, realizing, whoa, Aurora is building something super interesting here with Web3 Connect. And I said, I want in. Um, I, I was looking for ways to kind of step up into like, at least like a higher role other than just a Discord member. So I started moderating for Web3 Connect and here I am co-hosting this podcast, which is just, it's cool to watch how this has evolved so far. I'm curious, I'm super curious where it's going to continue to go. But yeah, that's just a little bit of intro on me and who I am and story's not done yet. That's for sure. I love that. 
In terms of just what we're looking to achieve here with the podcast, for me, one of the driving factors of creating Web3 Connect was seeing the creator and freelance economy since the pandemic started grow exponentially. People are starting to realize anything could happen, right? I don't want to be stuck at my nine to five and I want to do something else. I want to build my brand. I want to start a business. I want to start freelancing and making my own money and not, you know, feeding the pockets of whatever corporation that you might have worked at before. I think a lot of people in our generations, Gen Z, millennial, are experiencing that desire. And even a lot of just friends and family that I personally know feeling stuck and feeling like there is no other option when it comes to career outside of what they're doing right now, which they may not really enjoy. And I wanted to contribute to showing people that they have options and that there's so many choices out there that just because you don't know of them now doesn't mean they aren't out there, right? Like we're trying to show people that this whole new era of the internet has so many opportunities to be successful in a different non-traditional way. What we're wanting to do here is give you a little bit of insight into the different careers and roles that you can take on in the Web3 space to just give you some place to start with your research. And you know, if you take the leap, you take the leap. If you're just listening for fun because you enjoy the banter and the educational content, that's awesome too. We welcome everybody, but that's really what we're hoping to achieve here. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Alrighty. Thank you, Soul Searcher, for being one of the very first guests on our podcast for Web3 Connect. This is very exciting. We're looking forward to hearing about your background experience and just everything you've done in the Web3 space so far. So with that, I will just pass it over to you to introduce yourself a bit. Uh, hey, how you going? Thanks for having me on. I guess I'll go through my in real life experience. I am a engineering and surveying manager in Australia and um, I've been working in the construction industry for 10 years, but I got into crypto at the start of 2020 in that bull run. I've then got into NFTs a bit more recently in about September 2021, just as that bear market hit. Then joined a community through the secondary called Angry Bunny Club and learned the importance of community to a project. And I guess that's where the journey started. So since then, I've had moderating experience with projects called Crypto Cribs, Danger Valley Ducks, McDonald's, and then also I've had community management experience at uh, Pengu, Cyber Villains, Savage Sumos, and Underground Society. That's basically the rundown of, of who I am. That's really cool that you kind of found yourself in this space, even with having kind of a, a full-time job in, in engineering. I guess, how did you, how did you get here, right? Like how, what made you so interested in wanting to join this space and what like sort of triggered you to start, you know, wanting to look into opportunities here in Web3? Yeah, so when I first come into the space, it was in the September bull run when I was hearing about these insane gains overnight, you know, SMB, the Meerkats, Piggy Soul Gang, all that sort of stuff. Um, I just happened to jump in at the very end of that bull run just before the big bear market in October um, and found out quite quickly that easy money is not always um, possible. But I did jump into a... um one of the first secondary plays I made was on a project called Angry Bunny Club um, and just noticed the importance of community in this space and and uh, made some 
connections, friendships through there. And, and a lot of those were the moderators of those communities and, and just got talking to them and, and fell in love with the space pretty much. And, uh, I chase less mints now than I ever have and, and try and build and help um, add value to this ecosystem instead. I can definitely relate to that. I, I haven't been in this space very long, probably a little over three months now. But when first starting out, my priority was mint, 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 right? You know, kind of like try to figure out what's the next mint, what's coming up, you know, what should I be investing in? And um, now I find I don't have as much time to do that. Unfortunately, it's, you know, it's still definitely a priority for me, but a little um, lower down on the totem pole with all the other stuff you have going on. And I think now too, there's just been less quality mints um, happening that like less things are catching my eye nowadays just in this sort of bearish market. With that said, I guess I'm not sure if you mentioned this, but how how long have you been in the Web3 space? When did you first start getting integrated in the space with like investing and minting? And then when did you actually start working in the space? Yeah. So first mint was in September, which unfortunately it was a slow rug with soul crocos and i think everyone's gone through that that process and had to learn from their mistakes that way um as for in a professional aspect i jumped onto a project quite early called crypto cribs and was just an active community member they decided that they wanted to put me on as a moderator I and mean, i guess that's where the journey started was learning from them on how how communities are run and and how they build hype coming into a mint. That was, I guess, the first moderating job. I've then also had moderating experience over at Danger Valley Ducks, which is a quite an established long-term community. And then going into community management, there was a project that a few of my friends had minted called Pengu that I liked the art. So I jumped into their Discord and noticed it was a bit of a mess, I guess, is, is the nice way of saying it. So I volunteered, put my hand up to fix that up, run a few announcements. And, and I guess that opportunity there opened doors that I never could have expected. And initially it was just to, to help out and test my skills. From there, I've then had the opportunities to work on the roles that I'm doing now. So from that experience, I jumped into Underground Society, Savage Sumos and, and Cyber Villains. But overall, I've probably been in the space for about five months Sounds like you've accomplished quite a lot in just five months. That's pretty, pretty impressive. And it seems like you have a lot of different roles, at least. I'm not sure how, how much of what you're explaining you've sort of like done in the past versus things you're actually currently involved in. But what does like a an average day in the life look like for you, I guess, you know, beyond your, your engineering job, but when you log on for yeah. Web3, you know, what, what does that day look like for you? Yeah, so the first thing is probably mainly going through all of the DMs from the night before. Being uh, based in like Asian time zones in Australia, a lot of business happens while I'm asleep. So first thing I do is wake up and run through all the DMs and just reply to any of the important ones or send off some questions to those that I um, need to get some answers from, from team members, project leads, moderators, and any any collab projects that we're working on at the time. Then I spend, you know, the day while I'm working my real job to try and brainstorm upcoming plans for the project, take any phone calls if necessary, and, and just in breaks and stuff, engage with community members. Then I normally, when I get home from work, that's time to disengage, spend some time with the family till dinner time before we settle down for the night. And that's probably my prime time after tea is to then uh, go through making announcements for the community to keep them engaged, make any technical updates to any servers I need to, communicate with other projects, write up proposals, just 
pretty much whatever needs to be done. There's always <laughs> something happening in this space and people to communicate with. And that's pretty much the day in the life for midweek. Weekends, a bit more variable and depending on, you know, in real life commitments and, and uh, still having a life. That's awesome, man. I was curious about one thing in particular. You mentioned that you have to do like a lot of outreach between yourself and different projects. I'm curious what that looks like and kind of what the purpose of that is. Is that primarily like your community uh, manager role? Primarily my community manager role would be more just interacting with our moderators, long-term strategic thinking, and those announcements to keep the community engaged. We do, like, for example, cyber villains at the moment, it's probably one of the main ones post-mint, but we do have alpha hunters and collab managers on the team, and they do a lot of that outreach to other projects to try and get whitelist in our current whitelist ecosystem we're in. But I spend my time contacting other projects for, you know, games nights, um, partnerships, collaborations. So, for example, we just had last week a, a poker tournament with Famous Fox Federation and Kitten Coo, which are two projects I really respect, both their, their teams and the, the projects they're building. So it's just I like to try and outreach and, and associate our projects with, with other established teams that are well-known in the community. That's awesome. And I'm curious about kind of like the bigger picture role or the, the reason that you're doing that outreach in the first place, because seems to me that community building is tremendously important in yeah. terms of like maintaining these groups and kind of keeping people together around some particular NFT collection, for example. So I'm, I'm curious, how do you, how do you prioritize that community building and to what extent do these like poker games and all the other different things that you're doing as a CM, to what extent are you actually building the community with that? What have you, what have you learned basically as you've done it more and more? What I've, what I've learned is that right now building a community is probably one of the most difficult things to do in this space with the whitelist matter that we've got going on it's like i understand that the community doesn't have the time to stick around in discords after they've invested because there's there's 10 more mints coming up that they're trying to get whitelist for but it's just i think the primary way of doing this is to take an interest in those that are sticking around getting them involved so i like to get on vcs whenever i can whenever i've got the opportunity with the community and just have a chat with them and and ask questions about their thoughts on the project even just discussing other projects that they might be interested in just to to show an interest in them i guess is is the main thing because yeah community right now is is uh a lot more difficult than it was let's say three to six months ago why would you say that like i would argue that the whitelist meta I mean, it's not it's not died down, but at the very least, like the the hype mint meta is kind of on its way down right now. And in my mind, I would think there would be kind of some consolidation in certain strong communities. But you're suggesting the opposite. I'm curious why you say well, that. Well, yeah, I guess you're talking about the last two weeks. I'm guessing. Um, sure. Yeah, 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 you're, yeah. You're right. But before that, it was that was pretty much everyone's focus was grind, grind, grind 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 and it was sort of it's trying to keep these people around afterwards but yeah it's, it's a few of the things you can do like we're currently doing a like a one soul challenge so basically the premise of it is that they start off with one soul in their wallet and we have a little spreadsheet that that they can fill out and we see who can make the most money from i guess buying projects and selling them we're currently doing that there's three days left on that we have the the poker tournaments we're trying to do on a weekly basis. And it's just, yeah, just those little things that try and engage with the community. But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. And I, I am hopeful we're past this whitelist matter at the moment and, and people are focusing yeah. on sticking with communities for a little bit longer and helping build those that are, that are staying around. 
Yeah, no, that's an incredible point. And I guess to your point as well is, I guess like the gold standard for being a community moderator, even having a solid team of moderators and whitelist collaborators working on a on one project, what is the best way that you see to build a community? Because a lot of it's also derived from like, what's the value that you get from holding an NFT? Like what, what's, the, what's the staying power of the community? And I'm curious what you see as like the gold standard for that or what would approach that? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. And I guess that's, it's like I said before, I guess it's taking that personal interest in, in community members, opening up networking opportunities, um, opportunities for them to, to, to build their, their NFT journey. Cause a lot of people come in new and they don't quite understand how the market works and just being there and available to, to chat with your community about that and, and being accessible. Uh, there's nothing worse than jumping into a Discord and having no contact with mods or, or community managers. Um, no, absolutely. I think that's that's probably my main goal as a community manager is just being accessible and, and open and transparent. Yeah, no, it's such a crucial job too because being in Soul Army, I mean, single-handedly a community that's changed my life so far with in, with respect to the quality of people that I've met and just all these different amazing things surrounding it has just made me so incredibly like it, it gives me such like a tight-knit feeling with this group and it's it's thrilling to be a part of it and kind of seeing how they executed that so masterfully was was very eye-opening to me because outside of that like I didn't really feel like I had one but yeah it's it's such an important role so and that's and that's that's I guess what got me into this space initially was like I said before with with Angry Bunny Club and their community and their their moderators and, and community manager there had an incredible impact on my long-term goals in this space yeah I think um the community is something that I feel like everybody harps on a lot in this space and it it tends to be like thrown around a lot, but it's just so valid. Like I'm just comparing it to, you know, in a traditional corporation, right? A traditional company, that type of transparency and that type of tight knit community just doesn't exist, at least in my experience. And from what I've heard speaking with some of my friends or family who are also, you know, working in, in corporate, like it just, you just don't find that in many places in traditional companies. And it feels like here in this space, it's everywhere you look. Like it's, it's the biggest thing that people are prioritizing and making sure that, you know, they have that solid foundation of community, which I, I love. I love to see that. But with that said, I know you've mentioned you've kind of done some mod work, you've done some community manager work. Like what would you say is like the biggest difference between those two roles? And like, was it a huge shift or a huge transition for you to go from one to the other? I guess with my background as being a, a manager already, it probably wasn't a huge shift. But the biggest difference I see is that uh, moderators are, are more on the ground, just dealing with issues in the, the chat, making sure that everything's been within the rules, kept within the rules, engaging with the community so that they, if they have any questions, answering questions and all that sort of stuff, where the community manager, I think, is more of a strategic position where they're trying to communicate with the project leads, the developers, pass that information on to the community, the the moderating team, and then building a long-term plan to keep the community engaged in uh, long-term because that's one of the keys in this this space is there's so many projects that mint and then disappear and it's trying to to build that long-term engagement. And that's, that's probably my biggest differentiation between it. Also, I 
think the ability to be able to build the discords, integrate bots, and just make sure that everything's safe for our users so that they're not getting um, hacks and stuff like that when it comes to the, the actual mint date. I think what's so interesting about hearing from people in this space and what they do for work or what their role is in this space is incredibly insightful because, and granted, I haven't actually tried to Google, you know, what does a mod do, right? Or what does a community manager manager do? I'm sure there's some content out there, but when you think about like traditional jobs, like you can Google what will I do in consulting? Or, you know, what does a nurse do? That's pretty self-explanatory, but there's so much more information out there for those like traditional roles. So I, I think, you know, having these conversations about the the newer roles and responsibilities that are popping up out of this sort of like Web3 era is so important to give people insight into what their options are. Yeah, 100%. And I, like, like that's sort of my quick overview of it. But every job, like every project has a different requirement for their community managers. So it just depends on how much the project team, the devs and, and the artists actually want to be hands on with the community. Some of them just sort of go, here, I want to hand this over and I want you to be in full control of the Discord. While others might be like, well, actually, I like to keep control and um, over the community. And you end up acting more of like a head mod just in charge of the mod. But that's just uh, one of the goals that you have to set from the get-go of, of roles and responsibilities and be dynamic and understand that every job might be different because we are so early in this space. On that note, when you're first speaking with a project, right, about a potential role, uh, whether that be a mod, community manager, whatever that might be, how do you go about like, you know, smoothly onboarding to that role and, and even negotiating pay when maybe the parameters or the scope of that role aren't necessarily clear, right? Like, do you clarify those and set those expectations up front? Or is it more of like a kind of learn as you go type of thing? And and how does that funnel into what you're requesting for like compensation? Yeah, so I know initially, I was just taking on anything and everything, um, just to get the experience. But at this point now, any new roles that come up, it's, it's, it, I'm, I make it a priority to jump on at least a, a voice chat with the team, um, and go through the exact expectations, roles and responsibilities of the job. And sometimes that might even mean explaining to them what I can do and what my, capabilities are because like you said it's still quite unclear what like community managers do like you, like you said you can't google it so it's being able to, to even onboard the project team to understand how we can add value to their project and then based on what they're requiring i can then decide about i guess pay and what what my expectations are for that yeah it's still i'm still fully unsure on it so i've set my my rate that I I would accept for projects going forward. I don't even know how that compares to the industry standard because there isn't one at the moment. But the key is just being clear, open and transparent prior to, to accepting anything or onboarding. Completely agree. And it's a super crucial point that you brought that up as well. I'm curious, and I know it depends on, I suppose, the size of the project that you're going to be doing any kind of mod or community management work for. But to the average person looking to be a moderator or trying to step up to that community manager role and looking for pay from your experience, you don't have to touch on your particular pay, but what do you think is like a reasonable range or at least starting point in terms of compensation that people should start to maybe make a baseline out of, for example? So I fully understand that for initial moderating role, that might be something that comes on as a volunteer basis to learn and to 
to learn off um, the community manager or other experienced moderators on the team. And I would be looking for someone like that within the community. After that, once there's experience and stuff, I think from most projects that I've been on, the baseline is around about one soul a week for a moderator that that can handle um, a bit more workload than your volunteer, can um, have a bit more control over, um, you know, playing games with the community, um, understanding the rules and responsibilities, engaging with them. I don't know if that's uh, community-wide, but that seems like a fair and reasonable rate for moderation based on um, the current secondary royalty volumes coming into projects because there's a fine line between um, paying your moderators and also how much money you've got left to build the project. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, with that in mind too, the pay structure is also quite different. If I mean, if a project's pre-mint, they don't have any funds to spend towards their mods, right? So a lot of it is kind of volunteer work or a promise that you'll get X amount of money after the mint is hopefully mints out, for example. So it is a bit harder to know. And I, I wonder to the average person looking to be a mod, for example, of course you want to network of course you want to find your own connections or whatnot but i wonder if it's better to start with an established project or with something that has a lot of hype and a lot of promise and the mod work itself would be pretty hefty just to kind of build the resume i'm, I'm kind of curious what you would see as the advantage or disadvantages if you're just starting out yeah so i always say to people that ask me how do you get into this space just starting out is the hardest bit getting that first role is by far the hardest hardest position and there's no real gateway to get to that position established projects if you could get onto an established project would be incredible but that that is quite hard to do because they normally if they are paying their mods they've probably got them on lock and got them long term and it's harder to get into that space and especially hyped ones as well so if you're talking like upcoming hyped mints they've probably got mods on as well because they've had people from the start so I guess my recommendation is probably to try and get in early on projects, be active community members, talk to the team and, and offer up your, your potential services and if they'd be happy to take you on. And the other the other option is probably just networking. Absolutely. That's a that's an important distinction to make as well. So I'm super glad you clarified on that as well. Appreciate that. It seems like you might have been doing some mod and and community manager work for free, maybe starting out and kind of touches on your point towards the beginning of it's really difficult to get that first paid role until you've proven yourself in a way. And that's reasonable, right? Because, you you know, not having any prior experience. But at what point is it appropriate, do you think, to start asking for or to start accepting payment? And like, how do you go about having those conversations for the first time? I guess it just depends on how important you value your own time. So I was doing it for free initially, but it got to the point where I had to make a decision. Is this worth my time to continue on? And I decided that it probably wasn't. So I had discussions with a couple of the communities I was working with and just saying, I'd love to stick around, but this is a lot of my time. And it's a big part of the project. Like moderating and community management is is crucial to your project. Um, And then started having discussion about pay that way. Some of them I had to leave because they weren't willing and and I just had to, it was a tough call, but had to make that call. Others were happy to jump on as either a a salary system or a a percentage of secondary royalties. But yeah, it was just, it got to a point where I had to make that decision and start talking to the teams. 
All right. One last thing from me, if if you want to touch on this, I'm curious. So when you stepped up to that role, I think it was the Pengu Discord, right? Where you the, the Discord was kind of broken up, and you you stepped in and tried to figure out how to organize everything and make the announcements and whatnot, and just kind of bring the community together a little bit more. As you did that, I noticed that you said that a lot more opportunities lined up for you, or a lot more doors opened up for you. Can you touch on like what that process looked like? Yeah, so the first opportunity to come from that Pengu one was, was from a community member. So they were there at the start. They'd seen that the, the work that had gone into building the Discord. And, and from that point, I think the floor, I think, went up 4x after that happened with uh, updating the Discord, making community announcements, introducing a roadmap for investors. A, they were the admin for Danger Valley Ducks and said, "What do you? would you like to come on a, on a paid position through them? Um, that was that was moderating, which was like it wasn't another community management role, but it was a great experience to then jump into a team that had a long-term um, vision and had been in the community for a long time. So you, you were actually getting involved in the community building stage with established members that have been there for a couple of months. And then from there, it was just a resume building. So I saw Spoon had a had a tweet up saying that he was looking for community managers and just threw my hat in the ring. And just from the previous experience and, and getting on a voice chat with him and the project team was the start of everything. No, that's awesome, and I'm sure the I'm sure the vibe too is completely different with with a bit of a more established community. So <laughs> that's that's awesome to hear. So I I'm very curious to hear your response to this question because obviously advice from different people you know comes from vastly different perspectives. But what would be your biggest piece of advice? And it's such a loaded question too. But your biggest piece of advice that you would give someone either, you know, looking to start a career in Web3 or looking to specifically get into like a similar role that that you're doing currently? Yeah, one piece of advice I'd probably have is to set up your own personal server to, to test and trial everything, including your bot integration, how to set up your server and all that, just so that you, you're not trialing things with a community because when things go pear-shaped, that's when uh, you have to deal with a lot of the, the FUD and then try and recover from that. So if you can 100% test everything and understand how it works in the background, that I think is crucial. Another thing is probably the networking aspect of it. So talking to people, and getting your name out there is probably the two main things. Yeah, that's I mean, it's such an important point because that is what this space is all about. It's it's really who you know um, at the end of the day, and you know how you're presenting yourself and and who like you know what connections or what communities you're you're part of in the space, which really, if you think about it, transcends into any industry. Um, so it's um, I guess reassuring to see that that's also the case here. Some level of familiarity in a space that's quite foreign. In an industry that's so early and so in its beginning days sort of thing at the moment, networking is even more important because you don't have like, you can't put down, I've got 10 years experience in community managing NFT projects because they haven't been around that long. So it's it's sort of a case of who you know, and then to be able to show examples of what, what you've done in the past. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I have just one last question for you from my end. And this is a little unrelated to, to everything we're talking about, but still curious to hear your response. What is your craziest NFT prediction, right? So the, the craziest thing you think will be using NFTs for in the future? Yeah, okay. Um, I, I, it's not so much a prediction, but what I would like to see in the future. So we have DAOs or 
what people call DAOs in pretty much every project. But in the end, they're all run through, or 90% of them are run through a centralized bit of software called Discord. I would like to see a further push into actual decentralization of these organizations. And I see a lot of these long-term established projects actually getting handed over to the DAOs. I know it's a bit of a taboo thing and then what happened with the geckos was a bit of um, a scary moment for a lot of investors, but I think that's the key to long-term project success is that it needs to be handed over to the community. And that's what um, everyone talks about. Just seeing it actually get implemented is the next step and, and I'll be interested to see how that happens. And something I'd like to see is is some sort of training and certification built on the blockchain. It's a little thing that I'm, I'm in discussions with a few people with at the moment, but we have this resource to be able to have information on the blockchain. Why don't we use it to, to show proof of understanding and proof of knowledge to help those that are trying to get into this Web3 professional space? They're probably my two, not so much predictions, but things I would like to see and, and hope that happen in the near future. I don't like to I make that predictions because, like, you know... <laughs> Something that's no, but yeah, your yeah. your hope your hope for what we see too is just as important because at the end of the day, like innovation is going to also be driven by where the demand is, and I mean you hit the nail on the head there, in my opinion. So we're in a bit of a bear market right now, right? Either both in NFTs, we're kind of seeing Magic Eden volume slow down, and just the overall crypto market is not doing too well. And I'm curious, do you see yourself? staying in the nft space for a while if so how long would you think that is not to not to put a prediction that you're gonna kind of like have to stay here just because you said it but more so do you see that there's staying power for you to be in this space through thick and thin and kind of what's the driving force behind that yeah i'm just playing it by ear at the moment to be honest but definitely see it being a long-term prospect I don't see bear markets as being an issue. I think we've talked about this a little bit in the in the Gen Chat of Web3 Connect, but I think bear markets are great innovation creators. So we had the bear market in, in October and prior to that, a lot of the um, NFT projects didn't have massive roadmaps. A lot of them were just PFP and DAOs or they were PFP and then royalty paying from secondaries, but they weren't you know, what we see today and, and coming out of that bear market was a lot of projects with utilities and real life utilities. So I'm interested to see what happens and comes from this next bull run after this. Awesome. Well, I think those were all the questions we had for you, Soul Searcher. This has been such an incredibly insightful conversation. We really appreciate you being able to join us today. This has been awesome. Um, are there any final thoughts or comments you wanted to share? If not, we can just go ahead and wrap up. No, that's probably all I've got. Um, if anyone wants to ask any questions, they can jump in the uh, gen chat of Web3 Connect and, and tag me if they want and I can answer anything that they might um, be interested in knowing. Other than that, thanks for having me on and I'll be uh, interested to hear what my voice sounds like when I listen back to it. Yeah, yeah, it's always fun. But yeah, man, it's been a pleasure to have you and absolute pleasure having you in Web3 Connect as well. As that community gets stronger and we get smarter and smarter people coming in, I only see it getting more innovative and interesting from there. So you being a, being here so early as well is just a total blessing. So yeah, super grateful to have you. Awesome. Thank you. 
Thank you all for listening in to The New Era by Web3 Connect. If you're interested in keeping up with us on social, our Twitter page is at Web3 Connect X. My personal Twitter page is at Aurora X Energy. And No Land Beyond's Twitter handle, very simple, is at No Land Beyond with two E's. So we'll see you next time.